How was the meeting? Oh, you didn't miss anything. Okay. Nothing. Nothing notable. We just talked about, you know, business stuff. Ah, president business would have liked that. Tep and Step, your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends, your amigos, your um, compatriots, your pals. Your, pals, your pals, your pals, your football pals, your internet football pals at Dave Campbell's yes. Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep, Greg Tepper. And I am the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider and joining us on this uh, your week six preview edition of Tep and Step. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but Tepper, this is only the second week of 6A and 5A, and I'm a 6A fan. To which I say, deal with it. It's week six, buddy. No, you chump. We've been, I'm not playing, gonna, football. I'm not gonna... We've been playing football for a long time here in this great state. Oh, dude. Uh, did you listen? You were, yeah. I guess you you corrected me in the middle in the middle oh. of the the show. Uh, so I wasn't I trying listened. to be a jerk. I was. Just, I know. Give me informational I, purposes only. But you, uh, but uh, you, you did. I know you're listening. Um, it hit me this weekend. This is the midway point of the regular season for like Class Three A. Yeah, yeah, we've made it. <laughs> we've made it to halfway of the small school regular season. So that's 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 a, that's an achievement. Achievement unlocked. That is an achievement. It is. It is easy to forget that that is that that is an achievement, and that mm-hmm. we spent a long, long, long time during this off season wondering if we'd ever get to this moment. So the fact that we are even recording a week six uh, preview is a bit of a triumph. Yes, um, I'm happy about it, and, and yes. I've gotten to watch. Fo- we've gotten to watch football for five weeks now, and and, and there were points. And, in, there there were points this summer where I wasn't sure we were going to get one week of football. So yes. Hundred yeah. percent true, and and I do you know look this is the premium podcast. Um, this is the um, people have paid for this, and so I think they deserve to see a little bit behind the curtain and understand you know the way that things operate. And so I think we can now reveal to people your secret evil plan um, that you have been that you have been just like un- underhandedly putting into place or trying to get to happen yes. for the last couple of weeks because you this is. This is downright dastardly, and I love it. I, this, this is me being an influencer, I guess. In, in this day and age of social media influencers, I'm trying to be an influencer, Greg. And my influence is I want high school football every day of the week, except for Sunday. We'll take Sunday off. It's the Lord's Day. Go to church. Um, but – or whatever, you know, whatever – you know, deity you pray to do your, uh, do your Sunday thing, whatever yeah, that is, whatever it is. If it's Sunday, fun day. That's your, if your religion is Sunday, fun day, have at it. But other than that, my goal is to have high school football every day of the week, because guess what? This guy loves high school football and this guy wants more of it because, Hey, we have the, uh, we have the hot take. We have the courage to say in texasfootball.com, more football is better than less football. Yeah. And you know what? Not gosh, a lot of people want to say that. Yeah, nobody. We we have the courage to say it, and gosh darn it, we are careening towards that. As several districts have moved towards a hurricane type schedule, maybe with my influence a little bit behind the scenes. But uh, yeah, there's a couple of weeks later in the year where we're going to have high school football. I think it's week ten. 
Um, there is a high school football game scheduled Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. At least one game every day that week. And I will be at a game every day that week. <laughs> so we'll, we'll figure out how to record Tap and Step, but I will be – I mean, I'm not going to miss – I'll tell you this, Greg. My Monday game I have planned right now is Fairfield and Grossbeck. Who wouldn't want to go watch Fairfield and Grossbeck on a Monday I'm, night? I'm, look, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. That's not a terrible game. No. You have, you have been to significantly worse games. <laughs> I have. I have. Uh, yeah, because later on this year, I have Quinlan Ford in Nevada community. So, you know. Oh, buddy. <laughs> but, hey, it's high school football, and I'm here for it. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure out how to record Tep and Step. I may do Tep and Step from the side of the highway. With my laptop in my in my in my truck, we're going to get it done. But I'm going to be at high school football games, and gosh darn it, I'm going to I'm going to if it's on if I'm going to be on brand about anything, it's I'm damn it, I'm going to be on brand about high school football. Look, that's um that's admirable. It's Thank admirable. You. I have the courage. Um, you do. You do. Sacrifice yeah, my body. And, and I, you know, I'm not doing Twitter much these days. But anytime I see your t- your tweets. Um, and a lot of them are like, man, coaches, you should really consider changing your schedule just for the sake of being able to get your games in. Wouldn't that be a shame? Online wink, right? Hey, talk about courage. I sat through not one. I sat through a 70 to nothing and a 70 to seven game on Saturday. Dude, we're (laughs) we're, going to get, I want to get to that because I want to ask you a little bit about the scene there and things like that. But first we will start as we always do, Matthew, with your Texas high school football fun fact of the week, Matt step, your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. How many active 11 man Texas high school football coaches? I can tell you they're all UIL as well. UIL 11 man, Texas high school football coaches that have coached a minimum of 50 games how many have a winning percentage of 850 or better? Well, I know one, and that's Brad Butler at Shadow Creek. Uh, <laughs> no, minimum minimum 50 oh, games. That's right. He hasn't coached 50 games. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, Dude, he's 31 and 2. Yeah. What the hell? They <laughs> lost. They lost a regular season game. They are really slacking over there at Shadow I Creek. I got to tell you, like, is it time? Hashtag Butler out. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, a joke. Yeah. that's a joke, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I got to see him on Friday. <laughs> Come on now. Um, I'm going to say there are 850 or greater. I bet Chris Ketting at Canadian is one. That is one. Yeah, I bet he's one. Uh, I'm going to say there's – we'll go with a dozen. I'll say a dozen. Very close. Okay. There are 11. Okay. 11. Uh, number 12 is Matt Meekins. Uh, who is 56 and 11 that gets you an eight around eight uh, 840 but mm-hmm. you are uh your 11 are um Todd Rogers 198 and 36 at oh, yeah. yeah Jake Fizell, who I feel like we don't talk enough about um at Gunner 155 and 27. Gosh, he's been there a long time. He has been. And he's not that old. When did he get hired as a head coach? At like 24? He must have been really young. Yeah, because, I mean, he's – I don't know how old he is, but he's probably – he's in his 40s. Yeah, he's not that old. Oh, he's not. Uh, Scott Surratt, duh. Oh. Um, uh, Tom Westerberg, also duh. Uh, by the way, he's 32 and 13 at uh, at Barber's Hill. Watch out for that. Underrated. He's done a really good job at Barber's Hill. Really good job. Uh, Brady Carney at Munster, 
Okay. He's 121 and 20. Um, Carl Absek at Cedar Park is 59 and 9. Uh, Chris Ketting at Canadians 129 and 18, which is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets more ridiculous because Mark coach Kevin Hoffman is 67 and 9. Uh, Lake Travis coach Hank Carter is 129 and 17. Terry Gamble at Allen is 123 and 16 all time. Including fifty six yeah. and three in Allen. I mean, he's just coached at Lake Midway at Allen. I mean, yeah. other than you that, know. but your leader in the clubhouse, and people probably know this, is Gary Joseph. Who I guess, like uh, Gary Joseph, Katie, like I know we'd say it a lot, but like it's really worth mentioning that like he has won two hundred and fourteen games and he has lost twenty one. It's incredible. He has a ninety one percent win percentage. <laughs> And, and that long and, – and a lot. I mean, it's not like he did it and, you know, right. Like, it's one thing to be like 51 and 4 or 51 and yeah. 3, but he's done it for – I mean, we're going on 20 years here. He's done yeah. it. So it's, it is. it's incredible what he's done. So there you go. 11 coaches with an 85% winning percentage or better. All right. I want to hear about your, uh, your, your weekend, specifically your Saturday, because I'm very interested in the idea of high school football at Globe Life Park. Uh, and I know you sat through, uh, you sat through a couple of them, Matthew. <laughs> sat through a couple of duds. Um, first of all, I was at, I was at Sherman Dennison on Thursday night. Um, yes. Now you've done the Battle of the of Axe before, right? Not in not in the stadium. My dad took oh. me to the Battle of the Axe when I was a kid, and we watched the game from '75 when it was in Sherman, because you know '75 runs right next to the stadium. Oh yeah. And we sat on the overpass and on top of my dad's truck with binoculars and watched the game. Uh, what we can see of the game from the highway. Um, when I was just a kid. Um, that was my first time actually in the, in the house. And, and if that is a, a reduced attendance atmosphere, but it was reduced attendance. I don't want to say it, it was a little bit more than 50%, but it was uh, reduced. Um, masks were being worn though. I'll say that. Um, that atmosphere was bonkers. I mean, if, if, I, I can't yeah. imagine what you experienced last year with the full house and everything that goes with it. It was big time atmosphere. I love Munson stadium in Denison because it's, it's right in the middle of downtown, but it's a really nice stadium. It's got all the modern amenities. Dennis and ISD did a fa- fabulous job uh, with their remodel. So it was a great atmosphere. Uh, and then Friday I was at AT&T stadium for uh, UI, uh, Texas Fox Southwest, Texas football days, the UIL 100 celebration. Um, Totally impressed with Denton Ryan. I mean, what more can you say about them and their performance? Just dismantling what is a that's a that's a really good Martin team. Like, like I know yeah. they made Martin look bad, but they that, that that's not a bad Martin team. They that, dismantled a really good that, Martin team. That win is going to age really well. That yes. win is going to age really because I think I think Martin. Yeah, I think there's still a couple of pieces that they're working in, and like you saw some of the growing pains, especially in that first half, but. Um, like you can also see where they're going and you're like, Oh no, no, that's a good team. Like mm-hmm. I don't like we, like we had them, they started, they started the ranking. They started, they, they came to that game number 11 in our rankings. I think now they dropped to, I think we dropped them all the way out. We dropped just them because out. It, they're, yeah. I mean, they, just cause they got, I mean that, that the, the score was not, they're well, about no, to earn their way back in, but they, they, they weren't. I was going to say they're, no. but they're, I'll tell you this. They're a top 35 team still. You know yeah, I mean? and, and I, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if they're back in the rankings in two weeks. I mean, they, yeah. they have to now. They have to go to Temple in two weeks, and that ain't that's, that ain't gonna be easy because uh, the nightcap, the the Temple Wildcats. You know, 
we said it on the show last week. Temple's Temple's floor and ceiling were big variances. They were a lot closer to the ceiling than they were the floor because that young Temple Wildcats team was raring to go, and they looked the part on a set Friday night. Really, really, you know, talent, you know. Humberto um, Arismendi, the quarterback, first varsity start, throws four touchdowns. They've got a lot of weapons. Samari Howard, Mikhail Harris, and Pilot. And that defense, that sophomore linebacker, Torian York, whoa. That he dude is a baller, and he's just a sophomore. Everybody, every key playmaker on Temple's team is a junior or a sophomore. Let me tell you, the Wildcats are going to be a team to be dealt with the next couple of years. They looked really good. And obviously, I was watching that game because I was doing the the half the the half and post uh, in pregame for for that, and so I was I was keeping a close eye on it. And and I'll tell you what I was really impressed with is <clears throat> that was a team that in the first half um, they made a bunch of they did a bunch of things that young teams do, like mm-hmm. they just they made mistakes, they had penalties, they just like they they looked out of sorts here and there. It just it wasn't there, and they were in they were down at halftime. They're down by three. You yeah. Know? They came out in the second half, and I don't know what Scott Stewart told his guys, but it worked. Keep yeah. doing that because Keep doing they that came thing. out, and they were, a, they were a different team. Yeah. They, they were, were, they they were, were great. sharp. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, they really they're impressive. a team to be reckoned with. And what a beautiful uniform mashup too. The, the long view oh. greens with the white tops and the white pants. The only thing that would have missing was the gold playoff socks and temple, the blue front white back pants. I, I, I know some people don't like them. I can't, I cannot understand how you can look at those, those, those temple uniforms and not love them. And just, just, swoon. just I'm swooning in the press box over them. Um, and then Saturday uh, I was at globe life park uh, for the triple header. And obviously the first two games were uh, big blowouts. Uh, not much to talk about on the field there. Um, Alito looked good. I mean, they, they, they don't look quite as good as they did last year. I know it's weird to say when you're talking about a 70 to seven game, but that Alito offense has got some work to do. I still, I think still Jojo Earl, but Jojo Earl does not. He's that deck. He's fantastic. But Alito's defense, I think might be better than last year. Their front mm-hmm. seven's nasty. Um, and then the nightcap was the Battle of the Red Rail, Great Vine and Colleyville Heritage. That was a pretty competitive game for about three quarters. Colleyville pulled away late, uh, but that was a good game. Um, you know, good crowds for the Alito Weatherford and Great Vine Colleyville games. Um, but they were, you know, uh, the, the park did a nice job socially distancing everyone. They had both the first and second levels open. Um, I think the best seats in the house, other than the, the new section of bleachers they built and what was left field is probably the old home run porch. It's like a perfect mm-hmm. angle in the end zone there, double decked. Um, talk to the Texas Rangers uh, folks. They said, you know, if, if every if every football seat is filled, um, they can get about 40 in there, unobstructed views. Um, if you have obstructed view seats, you could probably get it closer to 50. But unobstructed views, uh, about 40,000 seats. And then with their social distancing measures they have in place right now, they can still get 15,000 in the building. So, um, it's a it's a unique facility for football, but I think the Rangers have done a really nice job. Um, they're very cognizant of hosting and, and, and being good hosts and doing the things that they need to do to make it a good experience, not only for the teams, but the fans as well. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think they did a good job. They got some kinks to work out, but I think it'll be a great uh, playoff facility. They are very, very interested in hosting as many playoff games as possible. The staggered season is going to make it a little tougher for them to host a lot of small school games just because mm-hmm. Arlington ISD will be using the facility. Um, but they, they really do want to host a lot of playoff games and they want to be in the mix. So, um, yeah, get out there and check it out. It's, it's, it's a unique place to watch a football game. 
Okay. Um, I, I am, uh, I'm, I'm very interested in, in, in going out there at some point and, uh, and trying and trying it out myself. So, um, all right. So let's move on to week six. We're on to the sixth week of the Texas high school football season. Week six for the small schools. Week two for the big schools. Uh, we, if this is your first time joining us on Tep and Step, welcome. This is uh, our game draft. We're going to go back and forth selecting games we're most interested in. Once it picked, it is off the board, and then we'll round it all out with our hipster game of the week. Had a coin toss before the before the the show. Step won the coin toss, and as a result. He gets pick one one of week six uh, in a in a week that I'll be honest, like I think it's as good as week as last week. At least at the very very at the very very top. Yeah, uh, it, it's at least as good as last week. I would say. So I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go pretty obvious here with my pick, um, and I'm gonna go to a small school game that is probably the game of the week. Uh, it's number one in 4A Division uh, Two versus number two in 4A Division Two, as the two and O Carthage Bulldogs visit the three and one Pleasant Grove Hawks. And uh, <laughs> it's still weird to say that Car. I'll tell you what, Carthage last week made a statement. Yeah. You know, Carthage had the uh, you, you know unfortunate uh, issue of having not played for three weeks. They they played their season opener on August twenty eighth. And they didn't play another game until Friday night. And, you know, you, you, and they're playing against Gilmer, who is a state-ranked team, undefeated in Gilmer. And you think, oh, man, Carthage is going to come out of the gate slow. They're going to be sloppy. It's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, almost like week one all over again. No, it was 28 nothing at halftime. <laughs> again, you know, Carthage just raced out to a 28 nothing lead and just kind of held Gilmer at arm's length the rest of the way. Um, Kai Horton, three touchdown passes. Mason Courtney, a couple of touchdown runs. This was a vintage Carthage performance, and I think what was so key in this game was Carthage absolutely dominated Gilmer up front on both sides of the ball. The the, the Carthage defensive line, which we thought was going to be a little down this year, it had, had a lot of youth. Man, they looked really good on Friday night, and they were absolutely dominant. We know their offensive line is really good, and, and I thought Carthage just just took the hammer to Gilmer and, and, and just never let Gilmer. I mean, it's 28 nothing at halftime. The game's basically over. You're not coming back from 28 down against Carthage, not Scott Surratt's Carthage Bulldogs. And um, just a completely uh, just impressive performance from Carthage, and I thought really cementing themselves um, as the team to beat in 4A Division II because we had some questions because they hadn't played in so long. We just didn't yeah. know what to expect um, from Carthage and, and – I don't know why we doubted Scott Surratt. I I didn't really doubt Scott Surratt, but I was just like, they're human. They have to be a little sloppy. No, it was 28 nothing and a half, you know? Oh, my gosh. And And by the way, by the way, let's let's point this out here. I still think Gilmer's really good. I think Gilmer's excellent. I, I, I think I don't think there's any question that Gilmer is is a top ten team still. Um, they're just they're just Carthage is just, just a different animal, and I, it's going to be real tough uh, for anyone to beat them. Now that being said, if there is a team that I think could give them a challenge, it's Pleasant Grove. Um, Pleasant Grove can match up with Carthage up front. Um, the, the the key for the Hawks, I think, is they've got to get the passing game going. When, when Pleasant Grove is, is, is vintage Pleasant Grove, they're able to throw the ball a little bit, and they haven't quite gotten the consistency that they've had in the past uh, in the passing game. And teams have really been able to stack the box and flood, flood the box with numbers and, and slow down the Pleasant Grove running backs. Um, at the same token, on the opposite side of the ball, 
I think Pleasant Grove's pass defense has been has left a little bit to desire. I think their front seven is really good. Uh, you got a guy like Landon Jackson uh, lead, leading that that front seven, and Nick Martin at linebacker. You're going to be really good, but the secondary, you know, Argyle was able to exploit it a little bit, and I think that's that's why Carthage for Pleasant Grove is such a difficult matchup because Carthage can match up with Pleasant Grove up front, and they can threaten Pleasant Grove uh, in the passing game. And that's why Carthage has, has been really a tough team uh, for Pleasant Grove to deal with the past few years, and I think that's what makes them a tough matchup in this game. That's why I, I, I like Carthage to go on the road for the second straight year and beat Pleasant Grove. And by the way, for, for those who, who don't know, um, <laughs> there is a there is a – greater than zero if not much greater than zero chance that this is the first of two meetings because this could be a state championship game yes yeah absolutely these two could because pleasant groves in region two carthage is in region three there's no reason to think these two can't can't meet up again so i think that's in the back of you know even though you're not really thinking that far ahead uh, as far as, you know, from a coaching standpoint, it, but it is a non-district game. And, and I don't anticipate uh, Scott Surratt or Josh Gibson showing their entire deck of cards in this game. I think both of them will, knowing knowing that there's the potential down the road for them to, these two to play each other again, I, I think you'll see both coaches not show – they're not going to bring out too many new wrinkles in this game, I don't think. I think you're going to see two pretty vanilla game plans because – not that they don't want to win this game – but I think they're going to be side-eyeing each other the whole mm-hmm. time. And they're going to – I think they're going to shake hands after this game and say, we'll see you in, in what, 10 weeks or something like that. Something like that. Like that. That's, that's the – I'm really interested from that perspective as well in, in the chess match that has to go on in the sense that like – for example, I think the best possible scenario if you're Carthage, the be- or Carthage or Pleasant Grove, is run out to a big lead and pull your guys mm-hmm. and get – and only give them 24 minutes or 36 minutes of film on you because that is going to be something to keep an eye on. So there's a chess match involved, but I, I think you're right. That's 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 the number one versus number two is, is an obvious hook there uh, for, for the top pick of the, of the week. Okay. I am going to go with a team that you saw last week, and I think it's fair to say their first actual test of the year. Let's talk – about what's going on, 7.30 p.m. Friday night. Do I have that right? 7.30? Yeah, 7.30 p.m. Friday night, Bearcat Stadium in Alito. Okay. As the Alito Bearcats take on Frisco Lone Star. So Alito, you're right. Like, like they do last week. God love the Weatherford Kangaroos, but that was a that's a mismatch. That's a mismatch. That's just that's that's that was that was always going to go that way. Um and Alito, look, I think that they're working in the sophomore quarterback, Brent Hayden. Um, they have JoJo Earl. I think you're right that that defense looked pretty good uh, really in their good. opener. But but realistically, that's that's a game they should win. And honestly, they should win that kind of way. Now, going up against Frisco Lone Star. And... Of the teams that maybe I'm, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I feel about their week one loss to, to North 40 because I'm of two minds. On one hand, I do think this is a red flag because 
They lose their best player in Marvin Mims, even though they have Garrett Rangel back, they have Jaden uh, Nixon back, they have um, uh, they have a number of, of great playmakers back. The fact that that defense got torched like that by by North Forney is concerning to me. I'm of that mind. I am also of the mind that I think North Forney is going to be pretty good. Yeah, North Forney has a chance to be really good this year. They, if they can keep their quarterback healthy, that he he left the game against Lone Star last week with an injury. So, but I, I you know, I heard North, you know, North Forney scrimmaged Alito the week before, and I'd heard some buzz from the Alito folks that hey, North Forney, they went toe to toe with us. That they they were not Alito yeah. was not expecting that. So I do think North Forney is good, but I th- I think Lone Star. I mean, I, I picked them third in district, which is ironic because we, we they were they were ranked number two in our preseason poll. I picked them personally third in their district. Now they're in a district with Denton Ryan, so that's the number one team. But yeah. I, I think no, I think Lone Star is is, is has a, there, there's there's a strong possibility they're a little bit down this year. Well, and that's what that's why I'm really interested in this game. That's why I'm taking it with my first pick is because we will find out. I think a much better snapshot of both of these teams in in here. Lone Star, because we're going to see, was it just week one? Were they just kind of out of sorts? Is North Forney that good? Things like that. Or are there serious troubles in paradise up there for Jeff Raber and squad? And on the other hand, for Alito, it's our first actual look at them. It's our first actual yeah, somebody chance to class. see what they can do. Yeah, somebody in their weight class. Exactly right. Yeah. And so we'll find out a lot about it. And by the way, you know, we haven't mentioned uh, what Ennis did last week. I know that there were a lot of people who were like, hey, like, why'd you put NS number one over Alito? Well, what you saw last week against Red Oak is why. Exhibit A right there, because that was pretty dominant. But yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be interested in this game because I, I, I think I think the red flags really come up with Lone Star goes to Alito and gets hammered. Yes. Which I think is a possibility. But I think if Lone Star comes in, they don't have to win this game. But if they go to Alito and they play the Bearcats tough and are in it, and it's a competitive game, I think you can, you know, you can, you can back off the gas pedal on the Lone Star's down train just a little bit. So, um, and and Alito, I think, I think we'll get this will be a much better test for Alito and that offense that's been reworked a little bit. Because I do think, you know, Alito had to move their best corner, Demarco Roberts, to running back. And although Demarco can run the football, running, but he's not Jason McClellan by any means running the football. So I think. I think you're going to see Alito depend more on the pass this year because of the fact that they don't have that hammer uh, in the backfield that they had last year. Well, you know, it's it's when it when it's third and three, they just turn around and hand the ball to Jace, and Jace is going to get four or five yards. They don't really have that this year, so that'll be interesting to see how Alito handles that when they get in those situations. I I totally agree. So I'm I'm very interested in in this game in Alito and Lone Star. All right, what is your second pick? I'm going to go to a big school game, and I'm going to go up to Allen Friday night uh-huh. as Umbla Tascacita, one of the burgeoning powers in the Houston area, comes to Allen to take on the Eagles and try to be the first team ever to beat Allen at Eagle Stadium. Right? No one's, 40, no one's beaten Allen, right? 48 and 0. Yeah, no one's Allen beaten Allen at Eagle Stadium. And, you know, we said this last year at this time when Dickinson came to town, we thought, hey, watch out. You know, this is a power from the Houston area coming to Allen, and, and they could give the Eagles trouble. Dickinson played Allen tough, but Allen ended up pulling away late and winning fairly comfortable. I think it was like a 42-28 kind of game, something like that, a competitive game. Uh, but Allen pulled away and won. Well, this year you've got a Tascacita. A team that 
thumped Dickinson last year in this round, in, in the third round of the playoffs last year. Um, so this is a better team conceivably than, than, than Dickinson was last year coming into town. Now, Atascocita has got some holes to fill. They've got a, they got a, they got inexperienced at quarterback, um, and they've got they've got a young but really talented defense. But what they do have is two elite wide receivers uh, and two elite running backs. So this is a team with a lot of skill talent. It should, and then they got Cam Dewberry on the offensive line. It's a, you know he's a five star recruit. He's everybody in the country wants him to come there. So you know this is a this is an Atascocita team that is built. Um, to give Allen a lot of trouble. And this is an Allen team that I think still is trying to find itself. They were solid last week in their win over Plano East, but you know, I, you know, they were like a 60 point favorite. They won 49 to 26. And it was one of those games Dude. where Allen kind of, they kind of held Plano East at length, arms length. But there was a couple of times there where you're like, is Plano East going to make this a game? Dude, they um, farted around a little bit in that game. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Blaine and Bryson Green, they're what the twins at receiver. Obviously, they're they're outstanding. But what intrigued me most is that Allen, um, they rotated quarterbacks. You know, the two the two transfer quarterbacks from out of state, you know, Jake Wolf, who moved in from Kansas, and uh, General Booty, who moved in from California by way of Louisiana, uh, by way of San Antonio, I think. Um <laughs> Yeah, um, both of those guys were, were rotating snaps at quarterback. Um, they both they both played well. It wasn't like they had bad games, but I, I don't. I'm not a big fan of that. I, I just you, you wonder at some point is is Terry Gamble going to have to make a decision here and, and go with one or the other? But you know, a couple of years ago when Allen had uh, um, Mitchell Jonkey and uh, and uh, Seth Green, I think they they rotated mm-hmm. them both pretty much for the whole year. So. Um, Allen, Allen was solid, but I was just like, I, I, I don't know, I expected a little bit more. So I'm a little, I, I'm picking Allen. I'm not picking against the Eagles at at Allen Eagles Stadium, but I, I'm I'm fascinated to see what Atascocita brings to the table. I I wish Atascocita would already have a game under their belts to really get a good vibe for where they stand. And I think that's the big big key in this game. Allen's already played a game. They've got that week one rust off. Atascocita has not played a regular season game yet. They, they, their game against Klein Collins was basically turned into a scrimmage. Um, so we really don't know what Atascocita is bringing to the table right now. Um, that's that's why I give Allen the edge, and then they're at home. But I, I really think this is a fascinating game. I'm going to be keeping a close eye on it. Well, and here's just a, another thing to put a fine point on it. And and one of the big questions we had and have have coming into the year about Allen is the defense. And the defense gave up 492 yards to Plano East last week. Okay, four hundred. That's, that's and, not great. And Plano, I mean, God, God bless Plano East. Um, I, I think Atascacita's offense will probably be better than Plano East's. Is that a hot take? No, no not, not really. I, I think you're, you're, you're on a pretty, you're not on a very, very thin branch there, I'd say. Yeah. So that is why, look, you're right. Like, obviously, the streak. And, and that's going to be something that's a big talking point in this one. And I believe Pickle's going to be at this game. But, wow. Well, um, Pickle's going to be there. It's going to be a great game because Pickle only gets to bangers now. Pickles, Pickles, uh, is, is, is she is the 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 warning sign of a banger uh, yes. like coming in. She's like she's she's just got the siren going off when she rolls into the swag wagon. I will just say, and and this is it's funny because like we we know for a fact we know for a fact that John Snelson for Dickinson last year scheduled Allen at Allen for the express purpose of being the team that beats him at Allen Eagle State mm-hmm. like. That's the whole he he said that 
out loud <laughs> to, mm-hmm. like, to us. Um, I think Craig Stump's doing the same thing. I think I think he looks at it and he goes, yeah, we want to do it. We mm-hmm. want to be the team that does it because this go- just goes back to – I think this just goes back to the Houston versus DFW thing. And oh, absolutely. I think Houston – and I, I think every team in Houston wants to be the team to bring back the scalp. And that's what they want. As, aside from right now, Duncanville, this is yeah. probably the scout that you want. A, a win at Eagle Stadium in Allen. Yeah, it's the, it's the grand prize. It's the yeah. grand prize. And oh, there'll be some seven one three chest puffing if that. And I, I'm going to be in Houston oh. this weekend. I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and break that. If if Houston, if if, if, if Tuscaloosa gets this win, there'll be some there'll be some folks I pretty don't. pretty excited about it. By the way, have you seen the computer for this game? No, I have not. It's a, it's a pick. Nice. That's even better. Pick them. So, should be great. Allen and Tuscaloosa. It's number, I think it has to see this rank number nine and Allen's rank number six. So, I think that's right. That's yeah, going to nice, be good. Nice. 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 Okay. On to my second pick. Matthew, let's go to the South Plains. Ooh. And a game, a game that I think is flying super under the radar. And I don't know why, but 7 p.m. Friday at Pirate Stadium at First United Park in Lubbock. It is the 1-0 Lubbock Coronado Mustangs and the 1-0 Lubbock Cooper Pirates. And maybe it's because there's a couple of other real high-profile games. Carthage and Pleasant Grove. There's other games we're going to get to, I'm sure. Um, I think this game's flying under everybody's radar. I think this might have the single most compelling unit versus unit matchup in the state this week. Oh, I agree. I'm right there with you in this game. Okay. Coronado's offense against Cooper's defense is like that's uh, like Super Bowl type stuff. Like this is like choice. Oh, it's it's me because you have Coronado and they've got Sawyer Robertson who is in his 19th year there at Coronado. And which by the way, last week and this I'm probably I guess maybe it I, I haven't I haven't picked up the the Lubbock Avalanche Journal lately. God bless those guys. Love love what they do up there. But yeah, I Carlos and Alexis it. do a great job. If, if you do. guys want to, we support print media. So if you guys want to deliver to the Metroplex, we'll we'll, we'll reach you. That'd be dope. Uh, Sawyer Robertson became the 108th player in UIL Texas High School football history to throw for more than 8,000 yards in his season, or I'm sorry, in his career. Um, he got he got over the 8,000 yard mark last week. Um, and he's gotten better every week. He was better as a junior than he was as a sophomore. And, and the early returns are very promising. The offense is a firecracker. The Coronado offense is awesome. Going up against Lubbock Cooper, who, I mean, that defense is, if you want to say they have the best defense West of 35, I mean, uh, you wouldn't I'm have tr- a ton of arguments for me. Boy, I mean, their, def- uh, their defense is ferocious, okay? Kobe McKenzie, Kyler Jordan, Ryan Fife had two safeties last week for, like, for, for Cooper in when they, when, as they shut out Caprock. Uh, their defense is nasty, 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 nasty. And that is a, that is a scintillating, must-see, showcase matchup there of the Coronado offense and the Cooper defense. The other side is interesting, and we'll find out a lot. Um, the, the the Cooper offense is 
is is okay. Cooper LeFaber, their quarterback. They got a running back in Cutter Douglas. Going up against Nigel Braithwaite and this Coronado defense. That's you know they're okay. They're okay. They're like those. They are good enough to buoy what is an elite unit and turn that into a very compelling contending team for both those times. And so I am just so so fired up for this game. I think this game has a chance to be really really interesting simply because every time Coronado has the ball and every time Cooper's on on the field on defense like that's must see stuff yeah I think this game comes down to which which of the off units quote unquote uh, steps up and plays better I think you're going to get a push I don't don't think Coronado is going to score 50 on Lubbock Cooper but Lubbock Cooper is not going to pitch a shutout on Coronado either I think I think Coronado is going to be in that 24 to 31 point range probably um mm-hmm. and I don't, but i but so that, that so you, you set that bar and then you say okay is lubbock cooper's offense good enough to score in that 24 to 31 point range or is the coronado defense good enough to hold hold cooper under that yes. uh, i think that's the big key in this game because i think we kind of i kind of have a feeling what we're going to get from coronado's offense versus the cooper defense um i think this game comes down to which of the which of the 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 units that don't get talked about uh, steps up and, and makes plays in this one. This is all this the last few years these two teams have played. It's been a very close matchup. It's probably going to be a district game next realignment as Cooper uh, continues to grow and is likely going to be a Division One program next year. So um, this is turning into a real fun rivalry uh, in the Hub City, and I'm really excited to see how this one goes. I think this one's going to be fantastic, and I'm I'm proud to get it at at, uh, at fourth overall. So, what is your third pick, Matthew? I'm going to stay out west, but I'm going to head a little bit north, Tepper, and I'm heading up to beautiful Canadian Texas as five and O Spearman, one and O in district, visits the the big bad wolf in the Panhandle when it comes to three A Division two football, the two and one Canadian Wildcats who are playing in their district opener this week. Uh, Canadian's district has seven teams, so Canadian actually had the uh, first buy last week, so they were off. Uh, while Spearman was going toe to toe with Childress in a uh, classic ball game, battle of unbeaten teams, uh, Spearman came out on top, forty three to thirty six in overtime. Um, and you know the, the the headlines for Spearman are always with Brennan Thompson, the the elite recruit uh, that the Lynx have. Um, yes, Spearman, Texas has an elite four or five star type recruit uh, on their team. But but I think the guy that makes them go is their quarterback, Jack Wilkerson. Um, he accounted for 296 yards last week, five touchdowns. Um, he, he runs he, he runs well. He, he, he keeps you honest with the pass. Um, and, and Spearman's offense and their team speed across the board is really what gives them a, a really good edge. And uh, I, I think – I, I think this is the supreme test, though. This is a test for Spearman to see if, if they're ready to be an elite team. Because Canadian, they are the standard in the panhandle when it comes to small school football. They, they've been uh, as consistent a winner as possible. And, they you know, they were the number one – they've been the number one team in three Division two, uh, even with a loss to Iowa Park. Um, Canadian still, you know, they're, they're still right there – top three, top one or two spots in, in the classification. Now, Canadian, we haven't seen them in a while. Their game against Perryton two weeks ago was canceled, and they were off last week. Um, so 
they could, you know, do they come out rusty? You know, Carthage didn't come out with any rust in their game against Gilmer. Um, that's what elite programs do. I, I think we'll see similar from Canadian. I, I expect Chris Ketting's squad to come out sharp and not have any signs of a layoff. But but you just never know. These are kids, and, and you just, just don't know what you're going to get. But I think at home, and I think Spearman's gotten Canadian's attention because Spearman beating Childress, I think, really – that 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 sent that was kind of a shot across the bow of the paint handle that, that the links are, are to be taken seriously uh, in this district and I, and I think it's going to be a really good ball game but I ain't picking against Canadian at home it, you know Mm-mm. it's it's hard to pick against Canadian any time before the state semifinals and uh, I I think Spearman I think Spearman pushes them because Spearman's got some elite talent but uh, you know smart money is always on Canadian uh, at Wildcat Stadium yeah I tend to agree. Um... But, I mean, look, Spearman's got the dude. Spearman's got the dude. Yeah. Um, and, and if you're, like, if sometimes for Canadian, like, I don't know, like, the Canadian losses are a weird thing because there's not really, they very rarely get beat by the dude. Like, think about when they've lost, like, when they lost to uh, Iowa Park earlier this week or this year. Admittedly, that's a four over three A, but they lost because it was kind of like a more like a team effort from from Iowa Park. Yes. Uh, when when they lose to Gunner, Gunner is is Gunner has had stars, but Gunner doesn't win because of their stars. Gunner wins because they're just they're greater than the sum of their parts. It's it's I'm trying to think of the last time Canadian lost to a team that was just like they've got the guy. It's been a while because it has been. I guess when they played Grapevine Faith. Two years yeah. ago, in non-district, and Grapevine Faith had the uh, the Hogan kid at quarterback who went to Iowa, I think, or maybe yeah, maybe him. that's it. Yeah, it's probably because even, even when they played Newton, you know, I, I guess Darwin Barlow kind of put Newton on his back in that game, but yeah, but you know, even still, I thought that that they, was kind they of did a, a great like job a, containing him though in that game. Really, yeah. that was a, that was kind of a defensive struggle. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's an excellent pick, Canadian Spearman. And and now you've left me in a top, tough spot because like that's a game I was really interested in, and I don't want to be big school snob, but there's just a lot of really good big school games this week. Um. Okay. I am. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going to go with the game that, according to the computer rankings, is the top ranked game of the week. And that right. is, and I and I hate to take a team twice in two weeks, but I'm going to take Denton Geyer and Denton Ryan. Um, Great matchup. CH Collins Stadium, Friday night. First time in five years they've met. It's weird. Um, these two teams have not played in that long. Yeah. They, and I, I think, think, was their last meeting in the playoffs? Was it a regional final or something? It, it might have been. It, might, it was at least a district game. Um, but they... They have just kind of ever since Ryan dropped down, they've just there's almost been like a like a like a like a an agreement that like okay we're just going to stay away from it. It's been an uneasy truce. (laughs) I think that's right, and I think what it is is like, and I don't have any sort of inside knowledge to back this up. I think both programs just like they understand the gravity of this game. Like they understand that when you play one another, somebody's going to win, and whoever wins owns Denton. Mm-hmm, apologies mm-hmm. to Denton High, apologies to Braswell, but whoever wins this game owns Denton. They're the they're the program of record, 
And so I wonder if there's just this notion of like, it's better just to not play and let people speculate. It's like perfect example was like last year where Geyer and Ryan both went to the state championship games, both came up a little bit short in their title games. But now there's the argument of like, oh no, Geyer definitely would have beaten Ryan. Oh no, Ryan definitely would have beaten Geyer, stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. now we're going to find out. Like now we get to know. Um, and the, the, there is a great strength on strength matchup here. For If you didn't know, Eli Stowers is back. He played last week mm-hmm. and looked sharp. I think they are trying to limit him, at least in the non non uh, non district, for um, sure. Because, and and I think that is very smart. Um, uh, I can, I tell, you, I can they, tell you the last time these two teams played. What's that? Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. So five years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, didn't Ryan beat Geyer thirty one to twenty eight in the regular? Those last year, Ryan was in six A before Ryan dropped down to six A. So, yeah, so this is um, there. I think they are trying to limit the at least in the early going in their first um, in in their first game. They were trying to, to kind of limit ease Eli Stowers back into it, but he was sharp. They were very they were very solid in a game that, you know, um, they, they ended up kind of pulling away and, and, and winning uh, going away against Hebron 56 to 33. Um, and and look, they I thought that Eli Stowers, he goes 13 of 18, 199 yards, two touchdowns. He only ran the ball three times. Um, like I said, and then they kind of pulled him. They got him out of there and they got Jackson Arnold in there and they said, all right, no, 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 no. We're going to like we're getting you out. They were up. Uh, they fell behind early. They they went 21-13 in the halftime, and then I would love to know when they pulled Stowers. But I think they just said, you know what, we're going to limit your, your your touches. But they got a great game from uh, Bryson Phillips the, uh, Jr., the, uh, from Braylon Pagos, that, like, or, and uh, uh, you know, Jackson Arnold played well, and, and, and you know, they, they were solid. Most importantly, uh, now they're going up. They, they will now face as good as, you know, Hebron's defense traditionally is. I don't think we anticipate that Hebron's going to have that vintage defense this year. Um, Ryan's defense is a godless killing machine. Yeah. Um, Jatavia Sanders, Sanders is sent from another planet to destroy us. I think he's an alien. He's not yeah. human because some of the stuff he did on both sides of the ball, by the way, both sides mm-hmm. of the ball was freakish. They looked unbelievable. And, um, I think most encouraging, for Ryan is that they got the running game going. They actually did, you know, we, one of the things that, that I think is, is, and this is me saying this, I think that they need to have an offensive balance. I think, I think, uh, I think Dave Hennigan wants to have an offensive balance uh, to this team. They want to be able to kind of, kind of grind it out on the ground as well as, um, you know, let Seth Hennigan cook on, at the at the quarterback spot. And I think what you saw from Kiori Hicks, especially late in the game where those two and three yard runs were turning to five and six yard runs, that's really promising for them. Um, so, look, I think a lot of eyes are going to be on the Geyer offense against the Ryan defense. I am a little worried about the Geyer defense. They were... They were beat up a little bit by by Hebron and and and, and you know Hebron's offense is not 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 bad, but it's got some questions. It's not an elite offense. I don't think Hebron's no. offense is talked about as one of the elite units in the Metroplex. And so this is a huge test, and it's a huge rivalry game, and and there's going to be a lot of fireworks in this game. It would not be a surprise if this game got a little bit chippy. I'm certainly not rooting for that, but it would not be a surprise. Um, I am I'm I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by it from a lot of perspectives, and I'll just say this, man. If Ryan goes in there and Ryan just like 
if Ryan if Ryan clobbers Geyer, which is not impossible, I don't no. think it's likely. But if they go in there and they clobber Geyer, it's time to start thinking about them in a very very scary way. Yeah, of this, like of like this, who's going to stop. Them? This has a chance to be a historically good team, um, and if they can, they can. You, you start putting in back-to-back wins over six A teams that are ranked in the top top ten, top fifteen to start the year. That they're both lopsided. It's like, whoa, you know, this team is this team is starting to already get build build quite the resume. So now um, I am also very interested because this is going to be a great great opportunity for Rodney Webb. We haven't mentioned his name yet, Coach Geyer to come up with a game plan with some fun weapons on his side, like Star Wars, mm-hmm. and to really let him loose and say, go get him, big boy. Yeah. Um, really interested in this one. I think Guy or Ryan's a lot of fun. So, all right. That is my third pick. What is your fourth pick, Matthew? I'm going to stay in the panhandle. Uh, I'm going to go big school, though. As 1-0 Midland Lee visits mm-hmm. 1-0 Amarillo Tascosa in a – former district rivalry game that is now a non-district contest. And it's featuring two teams. You know, Tascos is in the top 10 of our 5A D1 rankings. Midland Lee, I think, checks in at number 18 in Class 6A. And, uh, you know, here, here's breaking news. Midland Lee's offense is dynamic. Um, they put up 54 points last week, and that's kind of what they were doing most of the year last year. Um in three quarters of action, uh, quarterback Mikey Serrano, four touchdowns, 280 yards. But the big question in this game is he left with an injury. He did not return, um, and his status is unknown uh, for this game. Uh, now, I think Shamar Davis, who usually plays kind of that receiver slot role for Midland Lee, uh, did an admirable job at quarterback, but but he's not the passer that Serrano is. And I think that Serrano's ability to push the ball downfield – uh, to Davis and to Christian Romero uh, opens things up for McKaylin Young and the running back, and, and just opens up the middle of the offense a, a lot. So I'm, I'm I'm intrigued to see if if Serrano gives it a go. My gut tells me he's going to play, but I have no inside. Uh, Coach Hartman's kept it close to the best this week on Serrano's uh, status. Uh, Tascosa, on the other hand, I thought they got off to a good start in the first game of the uh, post-Joseph Plunk era as they went to uh, Shotwell Stadium and beat Abilene High 26-20. to um, And uh, they ran for 450 yards, which is what oh, okay. Tascosa does, you know. Uh, Major Everhart, uh, the speedy running back, had 119 yards and a touchdown. Uh, BT Daniel was solid in his first start at quarterback. And I, and I think the key here for Tascosa is with, with Daniel at quarterback is I think um, he's not quite the operator of the, of the option offense that Plunk was. So I think what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot of pre-called uh, reads in the, in the, uh, from the sideline uh, for Daniel, especially early in the year where, you know, with Plunk, he was kind of reading that, you know, the play was called and Plunk had, was able to read the defense and have the option of the fullback on, on the dive the keeper or the pitch. I think Daniel, it may be a lot more, you know, you're going to go fullback dive this play. They're there to call it from the sideline uh, until Daniel has, has a f- better feel uh, for that offense. Cause that's a feel offense when you're a quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, you just need reps uh, to, to get that down. So I think it's going to take some time for Tascos. Uh, definitely not a finished product at the moment. And I think Midland Lee with their veteran experience is a little bit more of an experience of a, of a, of a, finished product. And I think Midland Lee, when you look at the Rebels defense, their weakness is against the pass. And at an Amarillo High, they throw the ball all, all over the place that they have the ability to exploit that. 
where their strength is is in the front seven, and I think that's where that gives them an edge in this matchup with Tascosa. Middle is good against the run. They they're familiar with Tascosa having played them, and they also play against an option team every year at Odessa Permian. So. Midland Lee has a little bit of a unique advantage uh, over Tascosa in this matchup that not a lot of teams have. So uh, I think Midland Lee goes up to Amarillo, and as long as it's not cold and snowy and the wind's not blowing, I think the, I think huh. the Rebels get a win. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this one. It, it's kind of like a – snow and the bad weather of the panhandle. You don't get that till into October, early November. Right, but this is this is a great matchup. Of, I, think, uh, I think just another really good data point. For both these teams, and, and and like like I'm uh, at this point, I'm just trying to get a feel for who these teams are, and I think early returns for both these teams were just very very good, especially offensively. Like what happens now? Like do it again. Like show me again. If mm-hmm. they do that, then it's like okay, let's start sitting up and paying attention. Uh, I'm I'm I think that's an excellent pick uh, with uh, Lee and Tascosa. All right, I am going to go after careful consideration and and prayer. I am going to... It's a very religious-heavy show this week. Yeah, I know. I'm going to go with a game that it's the season debut for both squads, and I think it's got an opportunity. I think it's got a little bit of, if you want to call it upset potential, I think it's there. We're going to go, this is uh, 7 o'clock Friday night at, hold on... This is at uh, ooh, where are they playing? Yeah, I think they are playing at Leonard George Stadium as the Spring Westfield. Oh, that's the new the new stadium. Planet Ford. Okay, Planet Ford. New place. Okay, as the Spring Westfield Mustangs take on the Fort Bend High Tower hurricanes and this game's got a lot of intrigue for me for a couple of reasons first of all i think westfield is kind of there's a little bit of known commodity situation with them i know they have to replace a a fair amount of their of their their stars from last year's team but they get a quarterback back in cardell williams they have uh, some of the key components of that defense back, including A.J. Holmes up front and, and Jaden Perkins on the back end. Um, Coach Matt Meekins, we've talked about him, what a, what a great job he does there uh, at, at Westfield. Um, there are, they are a little bit of the, the, the I, I think it's fair to say that they're, they're the known commodity. They're, the, they're a team that we have high hopes for. They're right now number 11 in Dave Campbell's Texas football. Uh, they're a team we, we think has a chance to really make some noise. And then there is a team that I would like to purchase some stock in right now. And that is the Hightower Hurricanes. I think there are about 500 different things flashing and pointing at a breakout year for Hightower. I agree. I, I think there's a lot, a lot of, about this team that maybe you don't measure it um, like I, I think, I think at first glance you'd be like, "Oh, okay, well they were six and five last year. Maybe they'll take a step forward and win a playoff game." I think this team could be serious business. You have a second year under Coach Sam at Four Penn High Tower. They bring back uh, a couple of the most dynamic playmakers in the Houston area in Latrell Neville uh, and Charles Schelling. Uh, yeah, and Trey Thomas into that mix. 
the defense, I think, could take a really nice step forward uh, this year. I know they lose a couple of those playmakers like Christian Hood, but I think that they have a chance to be really, really solid defensively. Um, look, the chalk here says that it's 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 Westfield. For example, the computer thinks Westfield the twenty eight point favorite in this game. Um, so I think that I think that if you are going to have a high tower coming out, I think if if high tower is going to break have a breakout year, here is a perfect coming out party, right here, and in a week one. They've been waiting an extra week to be able to play this game. I think Hightower, I think Hightower's got a great shot in this game. I think they really do. And if they do, then it's like everybody's going to sit up and pay attention. And in a landscape in 5A Division One, where it seems like it's Ryan and then, I mean, Richmond Foster looked awful good. Let's give them a shout. Mm-hmm. But like, we don't really know who's going to be the chief challenger to Ryan. Like, I'm not saying Hightower is going to be that team. What I'm saying is that if you're looking for a breakout candidate this year, there's a lot of things pointing to Hightower. Again, I think Westfield's the favorite. They're the six. They're a six A team. They've got the returning quarterback in, in Williams. They've they've got you know, Coach Meekins is an unbelievable coach. But keep an eye on this game. I'm really I'm really fascinated in that you've got kind of the known commodity, the brand name in Westfield, and the up and comer with Hightower. I like it. I think it's a, I think it's a fascinating matchup because uh, I, I agree. I think we we, we need to get a, a data point for Joe Sam's yeah. ball club to see if they come out and play Westfield tough. I think we feel feel pretty good about it. If Westfield blows them out, I think we're at least a little concerned. What is your fifth and final pick? I'm going to go down to the uh, to the San Antonio area in a very underrated class four A versus three A matchup. As the 4-0 unbeaten Hondo Owls visit the 5-0 Comfort Bobcats. And Joe Dale Carey, what he's done at, at Hondo in his first year is really underrated. He's not getting a lot of talk um, a, a, as far as Coach of the Year discussion goes. But but you talk about a, a team and, and a coach in his first year who's, who's worked some magic at Hondo. It's, it's Joe Dale Carey and what he's done with the Owls. Um, they were off last week, 49-17 win two weeks ago over Marion. Um, this is a balanced offense. Trey Dickens, Carson Winchester uh, doing big things for the Hondo offense. It's really balanced. Um, and defensively, they've been, you know, they're not they're not a dominant defense by any means, but they find ways to get stops and give their offense the ball back. And when their offense gets cooking, they're, they're, they're a hard team to stop. And, and I think they're poised to really make some noise in what I think is a very wide open Class 4A uh, Division 2 Region 4. Uh, now you add in closing out non-district with a tough road trip against Comfort. Um, Comfort's 5-0. and um, Brandon Easterly's squad has had no trouble since moving up to uh, the Division One level this year. And uh, they just completely annihilated Bandera last week, 63-6. to um, Their quarterback, Oscar Falcone, uh, just putting up big numbers week after week. Uh, you know, no, no big deal last week. Six touchdown passes. You know, this is kind of what he's been doing all year for the Comfort uh-huh. Bobcats. They've just been putting putting up big-time offensive numbers. But in this matchup, I, I give the edge to Hondo, and here's why. We're talking a bigger school. They're better up front. They're, they're a little bit bigger in the trenches, and they've had a week to prepare. Hondo's been, been scheming for this game for a couple of weeks, and this is a really big game, I think, for Hondo and their confidence 
going into district play is they feel like they can uh, they can get this win. I think they can they can potentially propel them to you know a possible unbeaten season. I, I just don't see anyone in Hondo's district that yeah. would just make me go, oh man, they're they're, they're going to have trouble beating that team. I, I think Hondo they can get this win. I mean, we could be talking about a team that's ten and zero going into the playoffs. Yeah, the the, the computer the computer looking at their rec, at their season not to interrupt you, but their their the computer thinks that week eight at Divine is their toughest game outside of this comfort game, and Divine's off to a nice start. They are. They are. I think Referio blew them out, but, you know, uh, you know, Referio blows a lot of people out. So um, other than that, I mean, I mean, so you're looking at a Hondo team that, that you know, I mean, if you'd have told me Hondo was potentially going to be 10-0 and 0 before yeah. the season started, I probably would have laughed at you. So um, this is a game that I'm really going to keep an eye on just from a fact of which which of these small school teams that's flying under the radar in San Antonio uh, can, can get that last big win before moving into district play. Because I think the winner – and you look at Comfort, same thing. If Comfort wins this game, they're 6-0. I I think they run the table in, in their district and they're going into the playoffs at 10-0. Yeah. I think the winner of this game uh, is probably going to be have a good chance to go unbeaten heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with everything you just said. I'm. I, I think this game is 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 very interesting, and, and you're right that comfort. A couple weeks ago, when they played Marion, I thought I was like, okay, that's like a big litmus test for them. N- thinking, of course, that Hondo is probably going to fall off. Well, they haven't, and now here comes a big time, big time matchup. So uh, I like I like that a lot. Okay, my fifth and final pick, Matthew. I could look. There's a lot of games I could take. I could take Desoto Judson, and I'm interested mm-hmm. in that. By the way. Um, I'm interested in DeSoto Judson. I could take what else? Uh, I could take uh, Argyle Melissa. Yeah. Great, great match. I could take Winthorst Hamlin. Great match. <laughs> Fantastic small school game. Really good thing. Keep an eye on Winthorst. Keep an eye on Win- I think they, they seem like the kind of team that could challenge Hamlin. But I'm not going to do that, Matthew. Because, Matthew, have you ever been to. Have you ever been to El Ave Stadium? I have not. And that, I know where been, that is, though. You've never been to the bird? Never You've has. never been to the home of the Crane Golden Cranes because it's going to be hopefully socially distanced and reduced capacity rocking on Friday night, 7.30 p.m. in a battle of unbeatens as the Crane Golden Cranes welcome in the Wink Wildcats in a another game kind of similar to what you're talking about that like you start looking at this game and you look at both of these teams records or uh, uh, you look at both these teams schedules the rest of the way and you start saying, okay, uh, who's going to stop them? Uh, because this is the final, non- uh, let's see. I, I, I almost lied to you. Wink has one more non-district game. They play Seagraves next week. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll be considerable they'll be favorite. favorite yeah. This is the last uh, tune-up for uh, Crane before they get into district play. Uh, but they're, I mean, Odessa, Compass, uh, Anthony, Alpine, and Torneo, they will be, I would say, between sizable and giant favorites in all those Al- Alpine's the only team in that district yes. that I think can push Crane. They do get them at home, though, which is why, yeah. Jeff Cordell's done a great job of Crane. This is a team off to a 3-0 start. And a lot of it is based on this junior quarterback. Jackson Willis has been mm-hmm. excellent. Very, very good uh, through their first couple of games. Uh, he's got a big-time receiver on the outside, another junior in Donnie Bishop, who's off to an outstanding uh, start. And the other thing is that they get after the quarterback. 
They really do. The defense, Isaiah Sanchez uh, and Juan Polito, get after the quarterback. They are they are living in the backfield. They are doing that, and, and they're they're disruptive. The defense is very disruptive. Going up against Wink, and they're going to need to be disruptive because Wink's offense is serious. They yes they they run the they run the ball really well. Cannon Gibson, their quarterback, is really solid for a sophomore. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really is. solid. They've also got senior running back in Mason Morgan. They get after it. And so you have this really, really good small school matchup uh, of two teams that, look, I, I think the winner of this game probably goes undefeated. Like the winner of this game, this is probably mm-hmm. the last best chance for a, a loss uh, for uh, for both of these teams. So who's going to be able to to, uh, to pull that off? Uh, I think I lean, even on the road, I think I lean a little bit towards Wink. I think that offense has been really Really spectacular defense, by the way. Not defense is beatable. Defense gave 46 to El Dorado, they gave up 22 last week to Smire. Like, a lot of that's in garbage time, but like, defense is not perfect. And so, I think this game has a chance to be pretty pointsy. And uh, and I think that El Ave Stadium in Crane is going to be is going to be rocking for a, for a really 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 fun game uh, out there in, in West Texas. Uh, I like uh, Wink and Crane for my final pick. I like it. So there is your draft. Uh, step took Carthage, Pleasant Grove, Atascosa, Allen, Canadian Spearman, Midland Lee, Amarillo, Tascosa, and Hondo Comfort. I took Alito, Frisco Lone Star, Lubbock Coronado, Lubbock Cooper, Denton Geyer, Denton Ryan, Spring Westfield, Fort Bend Hightower, and Wink and Crane. Before we get to our hipster game of the week, let's talk about how I absolutely nailed my hipster game of the week last week. Oh my um, gosh. We have to talk about that. So <laughs> if you missed last week's episode, I took. Pasadena Rayburn and Houston Springwoods as my hipster game of the week. Um, and a big reason why was I thought Pasadena Rayburn had a great shot, a really good shot to snap what is a very long losing streak right mm-hmm. now after I spoiler alert, they did not win the game, but they have now lost 29 in a row. It's the longest. It's the second longest streak in, in, uh, in six, a, uh, only behind El Paso Secor, who's lost 47 in a row. Um, look, I, I, I called my shot, and I got to be honest, felt pretty good about the defense. <laughs> pretty good about the defense. Because uh, uh, maybe the game may have gone to double overtime scoreless. <laughs> it's the most <laughs> – I was enjoying – Busting your balls on on in the Slack chat so much while this game was going on, as it was as, as mighty Springwoods escapes with a three to nothing win in double double overtime in Tepper's hipster game of the week. Look, I just want to point out. I just want to point out. It's it's worth mentioning that it was a very good game. It was very competitive. It was double overtime. Very double overtime. Went to double overtime. Very competitive. Yes. Uh, My my beloved Texans of Sam Rayburn did come up short, uh, three nothing to (laughs) to to Springwoods. That's why we do the hipster game, baby. Because different strokes for different folks. (laughs) There's somebody who that's their favorite game of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. All right. What is your hipster game of the week this week, Matthew? I'm taking the rivalry angle this week. This is one of the UIL 100 rivalries. Oh, by the way, and and before I introduce, before I, but let me interrupt you. Banging week for rivalries. Absolutely banging week for rivalries. 
good week for rivalry games for sure. And this one is one of the best in San Antonio as it's Army versus Air Force as San Antonio Cole visits Universal City Randolph. It's Cole representing the Army and Fort Sam Houston and Randolph representing the Air Force in the Randolph Air Force Base. Um, Cole played their first game last week and struggled, losing to McCamey 41-7. Randolph's actually played three games. Uh, they're 3-1 and one on the year, really off to a good start. But this is classic throw your throw the records out the window. When these two teams get together, it's it's – I don't want to say it's a bloodbath. That, that's that's a little weird when you're dealing with military uh, folks. But this this is a knockdown, drag out battle. These two teams, I mean, it, it's cliche. Throw the records out. This is going to be a, a battle and a, a fun game, and it really a, a great symbol of the military community in San Antonio. So it's always a fun game. And I know our, our good friend David Smoke, who is a, a proud alum of the Randolph Rohawks, will be keeping a close eye on this game this week. Oh, this is this is this is the game you got to win. This is this yeah. is the one because you're going to hear about it if you don't. Uh, yeah, but, but I mean, you're you're exactly right. Huge week for rivalry games. Stephenville Brownwoods this week. Abilene Abilene Coopers this week. Marshall Longview is this week. Uh, uh, Ty- what is now Tyler Legacy versus Tyler is this mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, Battle of the Bell. Uh, Yon Rockdale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's going down. Uh, big, big, big week for rivalry. So, yeah, that's an excellent aspect. I am not going to go rivalry. Matt, there, there are two portions of the state that we have not been able to talk about all year. Okay. But there's one we can talk about this week because we get the return of some El Paso high school football. It's the Mountain Time High School football, baby. Oh, Mountain Love Time it. High School football. Welcome back. We missed you guys. And the best game, I want to make sure we give a shout out to what I think is the best game in El Paso this week. Uh, where is this game? Where is Burgess and Montwood? I think, it's at, I think Montwood's going to Burgess to play. Okay. So this game, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, uh, God's time zone. Uh, as Burgess takes on Montwood, uh, first look at both of these teams. In my opinion, the best team, the best game in El Paso this week. Uh, you have Burgess, who's our favorite in District Two Five A uh, Division Two, uh, going up against Montwood, uh, who is in the Lone Six A District and mm-hmm. figures to be in that hunt for somewhere between the third playoff spot and first or second one out um in one six a america's probably your favorite there but montwood's going to be in that mix we project them fourth in one six a um some for for El, for an el paso game and i say this i say this uh you know i don't say this in a backhanded way a lot of star power in this game yes um, for sure You've got Yvonne Escobar and Aaron Morales for uh, for uh, El Paso Montwood. Uh, you've got Alec Marenko and uh, Tavoris Jones, the running back. Uh, a bunch of bunch of running backs, a stable of running backs for James Rattledge's squad out there. Burgess, um, surprise, surprise, Burgess has running backs. Uh, fun game. Most importantly, just going to be nice to have EP back in the mix. Um, El Paso scores come through the wire on yes. Friday night. It'd be good, to, good yeah. to see those guys back. Games that games that I'll get to uh, we'll get we'll get those late scores. It'll be like a half hour behind everybody. Uh, that'll be nice. It'll be nice. So my hipster game of the week is Burgess and Montwood. Little El Paso. Welcome back to El Paso. What is your game plan this weekend? So I'm headed to H Town this week, uh, and I've got I got some good games on the slate. Um, 
Thursday night, I will be pending pending media credential approval. Uh, Thursday night, I will be at Galena Park ISD Stadium as Klein Collins takes on North Shore. So I'll get my first look at yes. the uh, two-time defending state champs in a really good early season test. By the way, um, we didn't even mention, by the way, we didn't even mention that North Shore beat Shadow Creek. Yeah, by, by, in pretty impressive fashion, considering North Shore started out a little slow with the turnovers. Yeah. Um, Friday night, uh, speaking of Shadow Creek, I will be watching another sneaky good game as Bridgeland takes on Shadow Creek in a 6A top 25 matchup. Uh, Shadow Creek uh, looks to avenge. Uh, it's the first time. I need to ask Brad Butler about this. How does he manage to getting his team ready after a loss? This is only the second loss in school history. The first one. Dude, they've never, they've never played a game after a loss. Yeah, because the first one they lost was in the <laughs> state championship game, and they just the season was over. So uh, I need to ask him about that. Uh, still a really good game down at Freedom Field there in uh, Alvin ISD. Uh, Saturday morning, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, I'll be at Cowart Stadium in uh, Houston as the uh, Houston Yates Lions take on North Forest Bulldogs. Um, I was supposed to have a two o'clock game, but, uh, you know, thanks a lot, COVID-19. My Houston Heights, Paraland Dawson game got canceled. Um, But I will have a six o'clock game over at Pridgen Stadium in Cy Fair as uh, Cy Ranch takes on Cy Ridge. So that is the uh, Houston slate this week. So good, good weekend to give our friends in Houston a little love. Uh, that's a very it's a very nice weekend. You get some you get some bona fide state title contenders mixed in there. Uh, the 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 Fox Sports Southwest plan. We're going to be back on the normal uh, thing after last week's interruption of Texas football days. Um, we'll be back on the normal uh, nonsense of eight to eleven football Friday, and then eleven to one if scoreboard. Craig Way will be back, so that means he gets to have a seat at the desk, and I get put back in the corner. Um, so uh, Sarah Merrifield thing. will be. Yeah, no. Sarah Merrifield will be at Denton Ryan, Denton Geyer. Ashley Pickle will be at Atascacita Allen. Paige Schnorbach will be at Manville Crosby, which is interesting. Dude, uh, what do we make of Crosby losing to George Ranch? A little worried about that. That gives me a little bit of pause. Mm. I I don't, I mean, George Ranch, maybe George Ranch got a little something. Uh, but maybe not. Uh, Lauren Blackwell gets to go to Carthage and Pleasant Grove. Uh, Katie Engelson will be at Lone Star and Alito. Uh, Willie Pleasant, we finally get some eyes on Duncanville. Duncanville's at South Oak Cliff. Um, figure Duncanville wins, but, you know, yeah. know week one. You know. New quarterback, post Jaquin and Jackson era. And Austin Ivan uh, will be at Converse Judson at DeSoto um, in a game where now, you talked with someone on the Carroll staff about DeSoto, right? I did, yes. And they were very impressed. Mm-hmm. So, I, and a coach from South Oak Cliff who was at the scrimmage told me also that, uh, yeah, DeSoto looks like the real deal. So, okay. I think the Eagles may be uh, poised to make a big push. Okay. Keep an eye on that one. Of course, I'll get a big test this week against Converse Judson, San Antonio. By the way, uh, I, was on the, I was on the radio with Craig Way this morning. And um, it's a humble brag. like I know, but one more, one more, um, one thing they brought up. They're talking about Westlake's win over Shirts Clemens, and and like we should have seen it coming. We should have seen that happening coming, um, because like when's the last time Westlake lost to us to a San Antonio team? I can't. Remember. Maybe they've lost to Judson at some point. I, I, I can't. Think remember. They lost to. I think they Maybe lost to Steel in like yeah. non district. In like 2013, yeah. it's been a long it's, time. The five one two has just had the, the elite teams in Austin have just had the elite team in San Antonio's number. Yes. So, um, okay, I think that's all I have to say. Uh, that's yeah, gonna do for us. 
Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Please tell your friends uh, about this podcast to subscribe at texasfootball.com. Subscribe. Uh, Step, thanks for your courage. Thank you. We'll see you next week on Tepid Step. Step.